You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Well, hey church, welcome out today to International Sunday. Kiora, Talofa Lava, Maloelelei, Bula, Ola, Bonjour, Guten Tag, Nihao, Assalamualaikum, Konnichiwa, Namaste, Annyeong Haseo, Ciao, Vanakam, Shalom, Sanu, Hello. Welcome to International Sunday. Welcome to church today. Uh, we are many cultures, many backgrounds, so many different people who call Elam Christian Center home. And uh, it's just our great joy to have you with us in church today. And I'm hoping that you are, even though you're at home, you're still dressed up in your fancy gears. If you're in the room in Whangarei, that you are also wearing your, your cultural gear your cultural kit, and I'm hoping that also after church, maybe you're having a International Sunday picnic with your small group, or maybe even having a, a watch party with your small group today, uh, all dressed up and enjoying your food. I wish I could just come around and sample all of your food from your nations, but uh, God bless you. We honor you. We thank you. We thank God for the diversity of our church and the different cultures that call Elam home. We are much, much better and much, much richer because of our diversity and because of our togetherness in Christ. And so uh, I hope you have a blessed, blessed International Sunday. Today, I'm actually preaching the final part in our series we've called We the Church. And if you missed part one and part two, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that, go onto the YouTube or onto our podcast and have a listen to that and catch up. Uh, But my prayer for us and my prayer for all of us through the series has been that we, the church, uh, would come back to no matter what our journey is, no matter what our story is, no matter whether, whether you're walking with Jesus for 50 years or maybe you're, you're still discovering who He is, is that we would come back to the heart of who God has called us to be, His church. Um, and at the end of this message, like the last couple of weeks, we're going to be receiving communion together. I'm going to lead us in that. And so if you aren't prepared, uh, you've got my whole message to go get yourself prepared with some juice and some bread. And we would love to share that moment with you at the end of the service. Uh, being International Sunday, I Um, With all the different cultures that we are, uh, we're all a little bit different and we all live a little bit different. And I've observed over time some of the differences that I see within cultures and and how we live. Uh, For instance, in some cultures, if you wear your shoes inside the house, it's like the cardinal sin. It is the unforgivable sin. This is like, you cannot do that. Uh, But in other cultures, it's totally fine to wear your shoes inside. In fact, some cultures even have inside shoes and outside shoes. Like you come in, you take off your outside shoes and you slip on your inside shoes, the little like slippers and things. And uh, you walk around the house in those. Some cultures, what we call disgusting, other cultures call a delicacy. Some cultures use the dishwasher as it was intended to be used to do the full cycle of washing dishes. Other cultures use the dishwasher as a fancy drying rack where you wash them by hand and then you just put them in the dishwasher to dry. I don't understand that one. Some cultures, if you are the guest in a home, it is rude to refuse more food when it's offered to you. Even if you are one mouthful away from exploding, um, it's rude to refuse. So here's a little tip for you. If you find yourself in a home like that, Say to them, look, I'm really full, but please, can I take some home with me? That'll appease your guests uh, who are trying to just bless you as much as they can. In some cultures, uh, at weddings, people give gifts like toasters and cutlery sets. Uh, In other cultures at weddings, people stick money to the bride with oil. That's fun. That's that's that's. I've been to those weddings, man. They are a great time. Some cultures. 
When, when they say now, the word now, we mean right away. But in other cultures, when they say now, they mean an undetermined amount of time somewhere in the future, potentially. We're all a little bit different and we all live a little bit different from each other and that's okay and that's good. But the question for us is, even though we all live a little different, as the church, how has God called us to live? And we've journeyed the last couple of weeks through the book of First Peter and we've explored, as we the church, we've explored whose we are, we've explored who we are. And then as you read on into the rest of First Peter, you see that he begins to unpack how the church is to live, how God has called his church to live, and specifically how the church is to live in a pagan society and a godless world. And some of this has some incredible relevance for us. And so that's what I want to dive into today. How has God called us to live? Here's my first thought. Number one, write this down. Number one, we the church live good. We live good. 1 Peter 2, verse 11 to 12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Wow. The depth of destruction that sin creates in a life is to the very core of who you are. He says this, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. First Peter 3, 10 to 11. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. A number of years ago, a friend of mine called me up and he said, Steve, I want to play a round of golf with you. He said, I've been playing golf um, quite a lot lately and I'm getting really good. And he's, he, in fact, he says to me, he says, Steve, I'm actually, I'm actually really good now. Like I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm really good at golf now. I've been playing a lot. I've been getting some lessons. I've been playing like a couple of times a week. He said, Steve, I'm actually really good and I want to play you. I want to, I want to take you on. And so he wanted to challenge me to a golf game because he kept talking about how good he was at golf. And I am not good at golf. I am a terrible golfer. For me, golf is an exercise in losing things. Like I lose golf balls. I lose patience. I lose my salvation. I lose, like it's, I just lose stuff. I mean, in my golf game, I've got more hooks in my golf game than a boxing match. I've got more slices than a bakery. I I spend more time in the sand than the seagull. You know, I'm, I just, I'm not good at golf. And this friend of mine, he's calling me up, Steve, I'm really good. I've gotten really good. I'm so good at golf now. I want to play you. So I play him in this game. I'm telling you, friends, I, like I just told you, I'm no good at golf, but I destroyed him. Like I absolutely wiped the course with him. He, he was terrible. He wasn't good at all. A terrible golfer like me just destroyed him. And he was so upset that I beat him that, that he went, he just got in his car and drove straight home. Didn't want to hang out. Didn't want to talk. It was crazy. Like he, he said he was good. He talked that he was good, but he wasn't good. And friends, we the church, we don't just talk about being good. We don't just project that we're good. We don't just posture that we are good. The Bible says that we the church live good. We live good and we do good. And what that means for you and I at a very personal level is that 
as the church, we live good, means that we abstain from sin. It means that there's some things in this world that are acceptable to this world, but are unacceptable to God. And as part of His church, because we are pursuing goodness, because we are pursuing Him, that He is good and His Word is good, we have to come in line with Him. Like we shared in, in week one, that Jesus is our cornerstone and we align to Him. Friends, we have to align to God and abstain from sin. Sin has this destructive power. Sin is enticing. Sin, the desires and sin of your heart, it is enticing and it seems really good, but at the core of what it is, it destroys you. It wages war with your soul. It leads nowhere good. It leads everywhere destructive and bad. And friends, we, the church, abstain from sin. We live different to this world. The practices of this world are not always acceptable to the people of God. And so we, the church, live good. Part of living good is abstaining from sin. In our speech, we live good. And the way we speak, and we, we speak life and not death. We speak hope. We speak good and not evil. And the way we talk, we live good. We live different. We seek peace and not division. We seek unity, not turmoil. See, we the church, here's what we do. We the church don't make the Word of God fit in with our lives and how we want to live and what we decide is good. What we, the church, do is we align our lives to the Word of God and what it says is good. And I want to challenge all of us who call Elam home. If you're here and you're maybe in the room in Whangarei or maybe you're watching online and you call Elam home, and I know this, is, this can seem a bit heavy and this is like, this is for long, but friends, this is the gospel. The gospel is, is, is not just grace, but it's repentance along the way. And if you call Elam home, I want you to take a moment to examine your life and ask yourself the question, if we are the church, are we living good? Am I, am I dealing with my sin? Am I repenting of my sin and turning from the, the wickedness and the corruption of this world? Am I abstaining from the practices of this world which lead to destruction and wage war with my soul? Am I doing good to those around me? Am I living with deeds and words and actions that would be considered good? When people look at me and look at my life and look at our church, do they, what, what they see, do they see good? Because we the church, we live good. We do good things. We have good speech. We live good lives. It's what we do. It's who we are. And uh, it was interesting recently, there was an article published in the Herald um, kind of attacking Pentecostal churches of which we are a Pentecostal church. And what was interesting is they actually named Elam in the article as like an offending church saying that we were anti this and anti that and we were anti medicine and all kinds of stuff, which is just completely untrue. And um, we were kind of, I was, we were really put out about it. And a lot of people messaged me about it and uh, we responded to that. But it was really interesting for me to see that the, this, this article was accusing us of wrong and the amount of people that jumped to our defense as Elam, the amount of people, not just Elam people, but people who know us, unchurched people who know us, like jump to our defense going, no, that's wrong. That's not who Elam is. They're good. We know them. They do good things. And I'm so glad. I was so glad in that moment that we as a church, we don't just say we're good, but we actually do good. And we do good things in our community. And we reach out to the lost and we help the hurting and the broken. And we do things that our community looks at and goes, no, these guys, they are good. And what it does is it causes people, even who don't know us, to turn back and give glory to God. We, the church, will never be perfect, but we can be good. And you, my friend, as a follower of Jesus, you'll never be perfect, 
but you can be good. And we have an opportunity coming up real soon with our Christmas box to do a tremendous amount of good for our community, to do a tremendous amount of good to the world around us. This has been a a tough year, a challenging year for many, and we've got an opportunity to take 1,500 Christmas boxes Packed. I mean, jam-packed. These have got over $150 worth of produce in it, fresh produce, ham and chicken, and like all kinds of Christmas goodies that could absolutely transform some families' Christmases this year. It's an opportunity for us not to say, we're good, aren't we good, but actually to do some good in our community and really seriously change some people's Christmases. And the amount of people who receive a box and turn back and say, glory to God, praise God, because the church does good. Here's a prayer I want us to pray as a church. The prayer is this, Lord, show me where in my life goodness can grow. This is how we live as the church. We, the church, live good. Show me where goodness can grow. The second thought I have is this. Number two, we, the church, live outward. We live outward. First Peter 4, verse 9 to 11, offer hospitality to anyone, to, to one another without grumbling. That's a challenge right there. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if you've ever met a person who, um, who lives so open and so generous that you have to be careful um, when and how you compliment them. Because like I've got a friend who's so, lives so open and so generous and wants to be such a blessing to people around him that if you compliment him on something, he'll try and give you that thing. You know, those kinds of people, like, they walk in, they got a nice shirt. I'll be like, dude, that's a nice shirt. He's like, do you think so? And it's like, immediately starts taking off his shirt, trying to give me a shirt. I, I was a friend, he, he showed up in my office uh, about a year ago, and he had these cool glasses, like nice, like sunglasses. I was like, dude, nice glasses. And he was like, he just took them off and he handed them to me. I'm like, dude, I don't want your glasses. I'm just saying they're nice glasses. Like, calm down. I'm still trying this though with those people I meet who own Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I'm like, man, nice Ferrari. Anything? Like, is it, is it government? Nice Lamb? That's a really nice Lamborghini. Like, it, it doesn't seem to work. But those people, man, they, 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 they live so, they don't necessarily have a lot and have heaps, but what they do have is an openness of heart and an openness of spirit. And they, they have this attitude that whatever they have is yours and it's their joy to give it to you. And I've noticed that one of the most pervasive religions in our day, it's not Buddhism, it's not Islam, it's not New Age, it's not Hinduism. It's the religion of me-ism. Meism, and it worships the God of me at the church of personal gratification, at the altar of self promotion. And its gospel says, Me first, what about me? What do I get? And give me what I need. And this, this religion is so pervasive that it can and does find its way into the church and it causes Christians to start believing that this thing called church is all about us. But Peter says this, he says, we the church live outward, not inward. We the church live to serve and not be served. We the church live to be a blessing and not to be 
blessed. And this, the, the mindset and the heart that God has for His church, for us, His church, is to have the mindset that says, no longer is this about me. My heart is towards those who I can serve and those who I can bless. Our mindset as the church says, God has put me here to be a part of something, to bless somebody, to love my neighbor. See, God has put upon every single life, and I want to preach right now. God has put upon every single life unique gifts and grace. God has put talents and abilities and resources in your hand. And God has given us each of those things so that we can use them to love our neighbor. God has put a blessing on you. God has put a grace on you to build one another up, to stir up brothers and sisters in the faith, to walk people on a journey where they're getting free from all the junk of their lives, to elevate others before God, to bring others to God, to reach the lost, to build up His church, to edify each other in the Spirit, to stir up faith and to outwork the plan of God for us. See, to be saved and called and gifted of God and not to use what God has given us. Peter alludes to this in here. He says, to, to have all those things and not serve others is to squander the grace of God. What he's saying there is that like, there is a unique, there is a grace on your life to do something. Like it's almost like stepping into something that gives you a power and an ability and, and, a, and a, an enthusiasm and a desire and a drive and, a, and an energy that is beyond your own to do what God has called you to do. See, church is not a spectator sport. There is a part for you to play in it. And Peter says, when you begin to use what God has given you and graced you to do, he said there, if you serve, serve. If you teach, then teach. And when you begin to use those things in the grace of God, you begin to tap into the power of God to sustain you, His strength to do what He's called you to do. And friends, I might have a gift and it might look different to yours, and I might have a grace where I can preach and I can teach and I can do this all day long and I don't get tired of it. I, it energizes me. I can lead. I can have vision. I can impart vision to other people. And man, I can do that all day and I'm pumped about it. It's like it's easy. It's God's grace zone for me. It's that sweet spot for me. It's that, man, that's just my lane. But if I have to sit with somebody and, and deeply counsel them through the issues of their life, let me tell you something. That, that person's coming out of that session worse and so am I. We're going to have way more issues than what we started with, and we're both going to need some serious help. Why? Because it's just not my lane. But every one of us, we the church, we live outward. And what that means is each one of us has a gift and a grace from God, and we use that to be a blessing to others in the church family and a blessing to this world. And I want to encourage all of you, we start a new round of growth tracks starting next month in December. And if you have not yet discovered your purpose and, and discovered how you can use your life to make a difference in this world, then friends, it's time for you to step into who God has called you to be as a church. Go do that course. An inward-looking church asks, what do I need? But an outward looking church asks, what does my neighbor need? What does my neighbor need? And I, as I look at our world right now, as I look at all that's going on, as I look at this pandemic and I look at all the different crazy things that are going on, I can say this for sure, that our world needs a church that lives outward. We, our, our, our world needs a church that isn't concerned at its own affairs and just itself. But we need a church, this world needs a church that lives outward and not inward. And here's a prayer I want you to pray today. Here's the prayer. Lord, help me as part of your church to live outward and not inward.
to, to see what I have and what you've given me, Lord, as something I can use to serve somebody else with. Friends, that is what it's called to be part of God's church. We, the church, live outward. My last thought for you is this. Number three, we, the church, live ready. We live ready. As a parent to two um, young boys, I have lost count of the amount of times I've said the line, why aren't you ready? Why aren't you ready? Like I, my kids, honestly, I've, ne- I've, I've, I've nearly adopted them out of our home multiple times this lockdown, but that they will, I'll tell them, I'll say, boys, we are going out, put your shoes on, grab a jumper, get a drink bottle, in 10 minutes we're going out. As soon as that 10 minute clock is up and we're, I'm standing at the door, they're still sitting on an iPad or they're still doing, I'm like, dude, why aren't you ready? I told you ages ago, oh, I didn't hear you. I didn't, I didn't know. Like, no, I told you why. Listen, I need some help. You need to pray for me, man. This is obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm now just, in, just using this moment as a personal counseling session, but man, I told you what's happening. Why aren't you ready? Be ready. First Peter 3.15, he says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that you have in Jesus. I remember about 13 years ago, I was in Hawaii for a very good friend of mine's wedding. And uh, Bex and I were married, like, but we couldn't afford for both of us to go. So I went as one of the groomsmen to this wedding and I was the only Christian amongst the, the crew that went over there. And it was, uh, one evening it was really hot. And so we decided the bunch of us to go down the beach for a swim. And while we were down there, one of the boys that we were with, he stood on a sea urchin and the sea urchin just like stabbed into his foot and he had all these spines in his foot. It was just crazy. It was in heaps of pain. And so I ended up carrying him from the beach back to the, the hotel, which was like a kilometer away. And on the way, he asked me the question. He said to me, um, tell me about your faith. He said, I want to know about why you follow Jesus. And he started to ask me, or a reason for the hope that I had in Jesus. And I would love to say to you today that I eloquently and beautifully and succinctly and with dynamic and power spoke to him about the gospel message and about Jesus and about his great love for the world and his great love for you and me and how he died for our sins and what he'd done in my life and why I'm a follower of him and what it meant to me. And I'd love to say that I shared this powerful moment with this guy with sea urchin spines in his foot and led him to the Lord in that moment and prayed and the, the sea urchin spines fell out of his foot and he got baptized there at the beach. I'd love to share that story with you, but the honest truth is this, I totally butchered it. Like I told, there was this opportunity and I completely butchered my response. And I have laid in bed many a night going back over that situation and and replaying it in my mind, but doing it better. Like I, I've replayed, I mean, I should have said that. Have you ever had those moments where you've, you've had a conversation with someone and you go home, you're like, man, I, I just blew it. And then you go home and lie in bed and you start like, 
like go, replaying the moment, but doing it like really way better and saying all the, oh, saying things so beautifully. I've done that for years, literal years. I've laid a bed that trying to redo this thing in my mind. But honestly, I butchered it. And I wish I could have a do-over moment. I, I fumbled and I mumbled. I made no sense. I went from here, there to everywhere. And I really failed to give a good answer for the hope that was in me. I, he asked me and I and I tanked it. I blew it because I wasn't ready. I hadn't even, hadn't even thought through what I might say should I be asked. I just was just like caught off guard and I just wasn't ready. And Peter says this, that we the church, we live ready to give an account. We live ready to give a response for the hope that's in us. There is a hope in you, friend. If, you, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've surrendered your life into His hands, there is a hope that is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. There's a difference to you. There is something on your life and people around you will see it. They'll notice it. When you are living good and you're living different and you're living outward, people will go, there is a hope on this person. And when, when we live in a, in a hopeless world and a generation and a global pandemic and everyone's gone crazy and yet there's this, these people who just have a hope that's so much greater and so much bigger than this world and so much bigger than what's going on. Don't be surprised when people look at you and go, there is a hope on your life. And, and, and ask the question, why do you have hope? What is going on in your life? Why do you follow Jesus? And Peter says that we, the church, are the people that live ready to give an account for, what's, for the hope that we have in Him. And I've learned this, the best, and I learned a lot from that moment in Hawaii, and I've redone it multiple times now with many other people that have asked me the question, and I've realized the most powerful thing that I can often do is simply share my story, share my story of what God has done in my life. I may not have a theological degree. I may not have all the answers, but what I do know is this. I once was lost and now I'm found. God showed up in my life and He's transformed my life. I found absolute truth and life in His Word and His, 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 His call on my life to bring purpose and meaning and to impact this world. Let me tell you, I will, I will never grow tired of sharing my story. And I want to encourage you that one of the best things you can do as the church is to share your story. It's through giving an account for the reason that there is hope inside of you. And I believe right now with all that's going on in the world, there is a great harvest ready. There is a great harvest being prepared where many people are looking at this world broken and lost and hurting and going, where is hope? And when they look at you, they're gonna see it because the light of God is on your life. And friends, the, the, the responsibility of the church, we the church are ready to give an account for the hope that's in us. And I believe over the next six months or 12 months, there is gonna be a great harvest as many people look to the church for answers to the questions they have. And I wanna ask each of us listening today, um, I want you to ask, I wanna ask you these questions because I want you to get ready because we the church live ready to give an account for the hope that's in us. Let me ask you friends, why do you have hope? Why do you have hope? Why do you have hope in Jesus? Why, why do you follow Jesus? What has God done in your life that brought you to Him? What's the difference that God has made in your life? Why do you go to church? Why do you call yourself Christian? What has God done in your life? Why do you have hope? And I wonder even now as you're, as, as you're thinking of that, I wonder even now if you could just quickly in one sentence, put that in the chat. Put in the chat or, or, or after church today in Whangarei, sit down with your, with your small group or say, talk to someone on the way out of church. Just tell them, hey, listen, this is why I have hope. 
I have hope because I was lost and now I'm found. I have hope because God restored me, God healed me, God redeemed me. I I have hope because I was so lost and so broken. And when I found Jesus, He restored my soul. He gave me life and life in all its fullness. Friends, be ready with your story. Be ready with your story. Like I said, you don't need to have a theological degree or have all the answers to all the questions, but you can just start with your story with gentleness, with humility, with grace for the person who's asking you. We're not doing this as we're better than you or there's a judgment thing. No, simply this. If you're asking about the hope that I have, let me tell you, it's because Jesus showed up in my life. He called me, He loves me, and He loves you too, and He's got a great plan for your life. Here's a prayer I'd love for us to pray. And and this is a powerful prayer. This is an action prayer. It's simply this. God, give me opportunities this week to share my story. I'm praying that we as a church are living ready for what God is gonna bring our way. I pray we're living ready to give an account to this world for the hope that we possess because we, the church, live ready. I love to pray for us, church. What I love to do is, is to lead us in a moment in communion. And really the reason that we have hope is all because of Jesus. The reason that we live good is because Jesus is good and He leads us into it. The reason that we can live outward is because Jesus lived His life completely outward. He he lived His whole life in service to others. He gave His life for you and for me. It's an outward life. And us as followers of Jesus, we follow His example as He gave His life for others. We too do the same. We live ready. Jesus was ready to come and to fulfill the call of God for Him, to fulfill the plan that He had for humanity, living ready. And I would love to take for us to take a moment, friends. You know, communion is again this beautiful uh, just picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And what it means is it's not that we're good enough. It's not that we're awesome. It's not that we're high and mighty, but it's because of what Jesus has done, His body broken and His blood shed on that cross. And when we do this, we do this in remembrance of Him. And we, the church, are nothing without Jesus. And I want to encourage us today that as we stop and we pause, let's resubmit again our lives to Jesus. Let's reaffirm His Lordship in our lives and say, Jesus, I thank You for Your body broken, Your blood shed. I thank You that I am good because You are good. Not because I'm good, but because You are. And I rest in Your grace. Help me to live different. Help me to live the life You're calling me to live. Help me to turn from my sin. Thank you, your body was broken, your blood shed for the forgiveness of my sin. Help me no longer to live in it, but to live good, live the way you're calling me to live. Lord, help me to live outward in all that I do, that your body broken, your blood shed for me was about you freeing me from myself, from my own sin, so that I could live a life filled with the power of God to make a difference in this world, fulfill the plan you have for me. And God, help me to be one who doesn't hold this to myself, but is ready to share this hope that I have with all who come near me. Let's pray and then we can eat and drink together. Father, I thank you for the cross of Jesus, for your body broken and your blood shed. And I pray today that as we receive it again, as we receive this to ourselves, Lord, we pray that you bless us. God, that you would, Lord, be in that place of authority and lordship in our lives. And we again submit and surrender to you. We thank you, Jesus, for your body broken and your blood shed for us. We acknowledge it and we rest in your grace today. In Jesus' name.
friends you can eat and drink um, together where you are. And I want to give one more um, shout out to a group of people. If you're here and you're watching online or you're in the room of Whanganei and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've come in for the very first time, you're hearing this message about who we are as the church. The, the reality is, friends, we are who we are because of Jesus. All that He did on that cross. Friends, God loves you. God made you. God's got a great plan for your life. This is the hope we have in Jesus. We all mess up. We all sin. We all fall short of God's standard. But God in His grace, He sent Jesus to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself all that you and I would do for our sin. And He conquered death in the grave and He rose again to new life. And He extends to all of us, not judgment or condemnation, but grace, forgiveness for all your wrongs, a brand new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God will make you a brand new person from the inside out. Get to walk into the plans God has for your life. And then friends, there's this great promise of eternity in heaven with Him. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Him, or maybe you have before, but you're far from God today, you've fallen away. I wanna invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. It's a prayer of surrender, giving your life into the hands of God, trusting Him with your life. If you're here today and you wanna pray this with me, pray along with me now. I'll lead you in it. Say these words, say, God, today I surrender my life to You. I know I've sinned, I know I've messed up, but I believe Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old way. I repent of my old life and I turn to you. I ask you to come in and be the Lord of my life. Take control, Lord. I choose from this day to follow you in Jesus' name. Friend, if you prayed that prayer right now, I'm so proud of you. And coming up in the chat right now, there is a button that says, I raise my hand, or there's a link that says, count me in. I want you to push that button or click that link because we wanna help you on your journey. We have a Bible for you. We've got a team that would love to help you on your journey. But this is incredible, such a powerful moment for you. And I'm so incredibly proud of you. If, do, if you could only do one thing, click that link and tell somebody that you made that decision. We wanna help you on your journey journey. Well, church, I pray this series has blessed you. I cannot wait to see you guys back here again next Sunday. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.